Welcome to the Movies in the Black show. In this episode, we have filmmaker Steve Sensabaugh, co-owner of Everlasting Productions and co-director, producer of the feature film Everlasting Freedom, which we'll get to later in the podcast talking about how they broke. Even with that film, uh, it was a micro-budget film, uh, and we'll talk about some of the lessons learned from that project and some of the other projects Steve has worked on. We also talk about freelancing, especially in a small community, and how that works out as far as pricing yourself and working with smaller businesses. I'm really excited with all of the positive feedback we've had so far. I am grateful for the people that have been watching and listening, and I hope we're providing value. I will continue to try to make improvements gradually to the podcast. The audio quality I know is not perfect. And for now, I have a lot of really awesome interviews scheduled for the next couple weeks, and those are going to come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Look forward to those. You can subscribe wherever you're at. I'm going to be increasing the places where this is but right now it's on youtube podbean and you can always check us out on moviesinthe.black.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter and receive notifications every time we post a new blog post or a new podcast or a new video thank you for watching or listening and let's say hello to steve All right, Steve, thanks for joining us. Do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. I am Steve Sensible. I graduated with you actually about four years ago. I created my own feature film um, with my production company, which now I do uh, part-time. Also worked with TV as the past couple of years. Cool, cool. I think that there's a couple of different things there we'll want, to, we'll want to touch on. It's interesting. We were just talking about this before we started recording about how it's weird. We've been, we went to school together four years ago and then to watch where everyone that we went to school with has gone since then because everyone's gone in totally different directions. Definitely. What I find interesting is the different ways, obviously that's what this whole podcast is about, the different ways that people figure out how to make money using the skills that they learned as a filmmaker or as an artist. And a lot of times it's not necessarily through that art form. Obviously the holy grail that we're all chasing is to make money, make a living, especially, I mean, for me, it's like even just a modest living would be wonderful. And most people say that some people really want a lot, but from filmmaking, from the art, whatever it is, the art that you're chasing, but to be able to use those skills and make yourself a valuable asset in the workforce, just because of those interests that you have is still a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Like I said, I work part-time with my production company, so I do have a full-time job working in digital stuff. Um, so it's like, I like doing the creative stuff part-time because I need to make money to make a living have a sh you know shelter and everything like that put bread on the table so i need to do that but you have that part-time job to kind of do something that you love to do that stuff you learned back in college when we were there yeah and i think there's there's a lot of crossover the the my full-time job and my marketing freelance that i did for a while those circle back around now that i'm back into the movie making space so much like I understand digital marketing so much better now. I understand marketing in general so much better now and business development too. Once you own a freelance business or are working on, uh, like on my, in my case, I've been working as part of like a digital agency thing, you start to understand the process of hiring and having other people working for you and all the legalities that come along with owning a business, which you kind of dip your toe into with a film. But you really get to see the longevity of it whenever 
you are working in these more traditional businesses. Correct. Um, yeah, like we've been able to hire people for our production company. And I never knew anything like that until I started working where I do now full time, which is advertising and marketing and learn from these other businesses. So I do have the business aspect of it now, just from a little bit of dabbling it with what I do full time. Well, you're also creating really great relationships mm -hmm. with not only I mean, we're both we've both worked in sales now. Mm -hmm. I noticed obviously me, the radio station that I worked at, or you, the papers that you've worked at, uh, you're going to have that relationship forever now, as long as you don't burn those bridges too bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which you never know. Yeah, you know how some it, people out there, yeah. But yeah, so those are really useful contacts to know. But also being in sales, you start to build relationships with business owners. And those are the types of things that when you go to make, I know, I'm like, the next time I go to make a film, especially in areas that I've done sales in, like in geographic areas that I've done sales in, I'm super excited to be able to use those resources to cater meals to find locations to just my network is so much bigger now than it was the last film I made. And even then, mm -hmm. my network was basically the thing that allowed us to make a film for 10 grand rather than 100 grand. Now it's like, oh, I can't even imagine the things I could make work out. Yeah. And it even helps you the other way, too, because like the people that you made connections with when you were making a film in this area, like if you filmed at a bar or something like that, these are people you can go totally, back to yeah. when you are trying to sell them for your marketing or, your, you know, your job now for marketing and advertising. So well, it just they, makes you so I have this whole thing that I always say is just move the needle. It's always just do something. You know, whether I have a lot of trouble, I have a lot of different passions and business ideas and things that I want to do. And I've always been like that. I'm sure you've noticed that I was like that in college too. It's just gotten worse. <laughs> Especially once you get money like from a job, then it's like, well, I could do this and I could yeah. do this, I could do this. But the interesting thing is, is there's this tendency to think, well, if I don't focus on one thing, no one's going to take me seriously because everyone says, if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none, which to a degree is definitely true. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you're just doing something constantly, you're rubbing shoulders with people. You're showing people that you can finish things. You're showing people that you have all of these different talents. I can't tell you the number of people that have hired me to do their digital marketing because they saw my artwork or they saw a film of mine or that has helped further that relationship, just openly talking about those things. It's what makes you different than the person that's just been selling paper ads their whole life or radio ads or even digital marketing. Exactly. You know, I get a lot of people ask me to, you know, if I can do social media, stuff like that, just because they see my business page, you know, they're like, can you maintain my social media? And it's just like, you know, well, it cost the price. I got to make a living, stuff like that. So oh, there's a lot of different ways in this industry that that's, we can that's, grow. That's a hard thing to, and since you own your own production company, I, I'm interested to see, hear your thoughts on this, pricing yourself, deciding like for something that it's so easy when it's a hard cost, right? When mm -hmm. you have to rent equipment, you can build that in and you can even, you know, add a multiplier to it so that you're making a, a money off of that. Or if you're spending money on Facebook ads or something, how do you, I have my own ways, but how do you determine how much you charge for something that's just straight labor? It's, it, it's difficult. You kind of, you kind of go off your head, kind of look at how long you think it'll <laughs> so take. So basically, you, you make know. it up. No, just, <laughs> no, no, just yeah, you make it up. I'm really at the end of the day. You Five thousand dollars. You kind of start with that, and yeah. then you see. I know for me at least, that's kind of where you you start with your best guess. You mm -hmm. say, okay, this you this can, is probably going to take me four hours a month. What do I? What am I worth per hour? Plus, you got to consider self-employment tax, yeah. all that stuff. So you're looking at for an even moderately okay price, thirty to fifty dollars an hour. Exactly. 
And then, and people often underestimate how long it takes to do those things like social media. I find a lot of times I'll tell people what it's going to, for websites specifically, I'll tell people what it'll cost for me to do their website and they'll be like, that's way too much. And I'm like, it's going to, it's a big project you're asking me to do, especially if it's an e-commerce site or something like that. And I'm like, I'm actually quoting you a much lower price than most other people will. But if you don't want to do it, I'm not going to twist your arm. You can try it yourself. Like a lot of times it'll be like, well, I could just do it on WordPress myself. I'm like, okay, do it. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, they give me a call and they're like, wow, this is way harder than I thought. <laughs> I've wasted this whole last week of when I should be running my business trying to build mm. a website. But yeah, so it is, it, you're kind of also looking at how much value you're bringing to them. That's where it gets tricky when it goes beyond the hourly yeah, thing. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you... You, you give them a rough range and then you have to invoice them afterwards, kind of. Yeah. You, you, you got to let them know ahead of time that this is what's going to happen. This is what you're looking at. And and this, you know, we live in a rural area where a lot of people, like you said, you know, that's too much. You know, in their minds, they already have a price yeah. range in their Yeah, mind. to give context for anyone that's listening not from our area, our population around here is, what is our our, our county is 60,000? Yeah, something around <laughs> there. And, and our county is a bigger county compared to the counties around us. So... I mean, that's like a neighborhood in a city. Yeah. So uh, on top of there just not being as many businesses, so there's not as many people to reach out, there's not as much competition, there's also just not as much spending, the whole economic. The, like we haven't really recovered from the economic downturn yeah. in this area. And we definitely feel that a lot when you're trying to help someone advertise themselves and promote themselves and compete online against businesses that have really recovered in the bigger cities. Exactly. You know, we, and it's not just in website building, anything like that. We see it a lot, even in my business with weddings, people come up to me like, wow, your prices are expensive. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of work. There's, you got a lot of equipment, the time, everything behind it. And people just don't have the money around this area. Weddings weddings were the one thing that I never had trouble when I would ask people for, I would shoot a price and they would not even second guess it. I, that clearly I was under, undercharging, but I would be like 5,000 bucks for a photo gig and they'd be like, yeah, Yeah, like what? (laughs) You know, in the past year we've had, you know, we charge a lot of different packages and prices and we even have, you know, a build your own package. Yeah, I like how you do that on, on your website, which, uh, what's your website so that people can check this out? It is everlastingproductionsllc.com. If you Google Everlasting Productions, I think it 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 should come up. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's actually a really cool, for other freelancers or in other markets that want to check something like that out, that's a really good way to... Do you find that that works well for you, or do you? It has. That- we we see more. We do have other packages available. And we see more people use the build your own package because it accommodates to what they're liking, what their budget is. Every project is unique, especially a wedding. Yep. That's so unique. Yeah. Like yeah. And they can go in there and pick and choose different things. You know, some brides don't want to do the whole day. Some just want the ceremony filmed or something like that, or just want ceremony and reception filmed, the main parts. So it kind of accommodates to their budget in a way too, because you know some people are charging two three thousand dollars for an all-day package and they don't want that yeah so we allow them to go in there and pick and choose i definitely when i was doing wedding photography i definitely had times where i thought that we were doing something and then when i found out on the day of like how much we were doing i was like oh like you're not doing nearly as much as what i'm charging you for and usually i would cut them i would say look i'm i'll slash my prices because I'm only here for two hours and I thought I was going to be here for eight. Like that's a pretty significant exactly. di- significant difference. And then you have the other way around where you think you're going to be there for two hours and if you haven't explicitly said after two hours it's going to cost more, then you're in this weird position where it just keeps dragging on and on and on. And I think that happens in any type of freelance. It's that scope, oh, yeah. that scope of work that you have to have addressed from the beginning. So having them straight up build that package and see, make that conscious decision like, oh, I want this instead of this. 
you know, they, they then can't then complain. I'm sure they still do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah. can't really – you can always go back to like that's what the, you chose. Exactly. You knew the alternatives and you chose this one. Exactly. You know, we had – we've had complaints. We've had problems. And it just – you know, we always meet with the bride and grooms, whatever, beforehand. And we say this is what you want. This is what you're getting. Do you want to add anything else? Because we allow that, you know, because people change their mind. It yeah. always happens. And it's just like, well, you know, even on the day of, you know, sometimes we give them a little extra, you know, like two hours of – footage of a bridal party photos or something after that you know give them a little extra because keep them happy i'm gonna stand around doing nothing anyways so right yeah you know <laughs> why not grow my talents and get some creative footage out of it so as you know this this podcast and this uh website and everything is is mostly about filmmaking I, I obviously really enjoy talking to people about other creative fields and i think there's a lot that filmmakers can learn from those other things, how other artists are making a living. I really find it fascinating taking from painters and musicians because they, it's just a totally different thing. And if you can borrow business ideas and social media ideas from them, you can be doing different things than every other filmmaker. You made a feature film, how many years ago was that now? It was uh, about three years ago. Uh, I think it, yeah, I think it was out in 2016, but we started in 2015. Do you want to tell me just about kind of, tell me a little bit about like the size of that project. Yeah, you know, the film came about to be an hour long feature film it was it started out to be a crew of about 10 12 people but ended up being like three at the end because this was all volunteer mm. um we all did a volunteer we were hoping for income afterwards that was our promise that right. was our hope you know it was just kind of a startup you know there, there was a couple people that were just out of college that were like let's try this and we, i was like i'm ready to make a film you know creating we created short films all together in college you know a couple times afterwards so we were like let's you know let's go big so i met up with donnie shields i'll give him a shout out um, if he's listening and we got together and we actually created a feature length film that was based into a christian film so it was about a death row inmate trying to change his faith before he dies um, so that was the gist of it. And it just, like I said, it ended up being like three or four people at the end. Yeah. You know, plus the cast. It was a small cast. Um, a couple of days we had bigger cast members, but it just wasn't. I think a lot of people wanted to get paid and they weren't. You well, know, yeah. And that's it, that's that's pretty common. <laughs> it's pretty common. It yeah. is. You know, I understand it's hard to pay people with a, you know, we, we did Kickstarter, we did Indiegogo, but we just didn't have that many people behind us. Um, I don't know if it was because it was just a jumpstart thing out of nowhere and we didn't really plan a whole lot. Like we started planning for about two or three months, wrote a script, everything like that. And we had the Indiegogo and Kickstarter going before that. So I don't know if we needed to do pre-production a little bit more and do some marketing and distribution, you know, marketing for that. Well, from, I mean, and I've talked to you about this before. I think that, yeah, that's a huge part of what makes or breaks your films. Uh, and for that one specifically, I think that was where kind of things broke down for you. But I still give you credit, like you finished it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's, that was the thing, you know, we had three or four strong people that were determined to finish it. We weren't going to give up. We were still editing it till four o'clock in the night before the, we were going to show it. Yeah. The next day, All right. you know, we were dedicated to it. That was the thing. Why start it and not finish it? So what did what did your release, uh, like how did you end up releasing it? Well, since it was a Christian film, um, we ended up releasing it into a local church, um, did a premiere there, and then we ended up selling DVDs. Um, we made about probably 100 copies, I'd say, of DVDs and sold some of them. Um, we probably ended up selling at least 50 
60 of them at the premiere and then we did orders online we ended up doing another premiere um in another county at another church so did you do okay selling dvds you sold did you sell most of those we sold most of those yes um, i'd say we probably sold about 80 percent of the 100 yeah um, we had a real hard time selling dvds and blu-rays bought on the leaves uh we obviously did really well with streaming and we did okay with the theater screenings that we did but wow we were we really over estimated how many people would buy dvd i think maybe because of the the kind of focused faith-based audience that you had that might have contributed to it yeah because we did sell a lot of those at churches um so you know we brought the dvds and i think a lot of it was just the support and stuff like that behind it that a lot of people wanted to buy what what made you want to do a faith-based film? I mean, besides the fact that obviously, like you clear that is clearly your faith. So me and my other writer, you know, the other writer is a Christian as well. So we started with that, and we started thinking, what you know, could we write? We wanted to write a story, and we were like thinking, okay, a Christian faith film. We saw some movies on TV and that were Christian-based, and we thought this could go well if we, especially if we release it to churches in this area you know there's how many churches in this area and people that want to show stuff so there's this one local church that we went to and we thought you know they're a big church in this area um tri-county church yeah Um, i figured that you know we went to them talked to them about you know maybe this is something they maybe this is something they would be interested in doing and helping with us and um unfortunately they were not at the time so we we still had the plan to go and think you know, other churches would be interested in showing it or premiering it or being on board with donations. So we did get a lot of donations from churches. It's interesting because that, <laughs> I feel like there's like, like with Blood on the Leaves, we were going like the indie theater route. We were like, okay, we're making kind of an art house film. These indie theaters that are all over the place would love to show this type of film. We even made a database of I think we had 200, 300 theaters on there that that I made up before with all of their contact information, how much each of them charge and everything. And we thought that we could get in and do a bunch of 50-50 so that we didn't have a upfront cash invested. And boy, were we wrong. <laughs> we had zero of those theaters agree to do a 50-50 wow. split with us. Most of them wouldn't even watch the film because we hadn't been in any film festivals. Hmm. If we would have, they would have considered us. But it was a total miscalculation on like what type of support we'd get from the people we thought we were making the film for. I see that happen a lot, and it's just like a uh, you know, looking back, it's like, well, that was we just assumed a lot without actually asking. Yeah, we, you know, I remember the one day I took all day in Word, I wrote out a letter about our film and changed you know the address for every single church in probably a 50 mile radius and we just sent everything out in the mail you know we put a self-addressed envelope maybe they'll send us a donation of some sort and we did get a couple back not a whole lot right um a lot of it was random people just you know hearing about us you know at different workplaces of us of the crew you know they were you know talking to people i used to be a waiter and I would talk to some of my customers about it, and they would be like, next time they come in, they'd give you like a $300, $400 check towards it. Yeah. So a lot of it was just networking the film. And that's how a lot of the you know, money came in for it. I think that your idea of, and I don't want to make it sound like you're just doing something in the faith-based realm just because it's it could be profitable or it's a good business idea because – there's definitely if you're not authentic about it, people will see that. For, like if exactly. I like I'm not particularly religious, so if I try to make faith-based films, unless I was specifically 
in that realm of the people that are spiritual but not really religious, like I could probably mm. play to that because that that would be authentic. But if I tried to play to like a Christian audience or even a Muslim audience or something, like it would be so inauthentic. It yeah. would clearly be I'm trying to get their money, right? <laughs> exactly. But it's different. There's there's a, a good friend of mine um, online. I've been friends with him for a long time. But he has this really great website called Filmmaker Freedom, and he he's on this whole kick about identity filmmaking, about like if you want. To and I, I always just talk about it as a niche, right? But I like the word identity because people really want to watch stuff and they want to consume stuff and they want to be part of stuff that's part of what they consider their identity. You know, the stories that they tell themselves about themselves, uh, and and faith, Christianity, whatever your religion is, that's a big part of someone's identity, or even a small part of someone's identity. But it's still you're definitely playing in that realm of okay, this is something I identify with as a film as a person. So how can I make films in that realm so that I can connect with other people that also identify as that? I think that that part of your strategy was really smart, even if it was an accident. Honestly, the biggest thing that I think caught you guys up was that you didn't, you, you tried to rush into it too quickly. You weren't really ready to make it when you started making it. Exactly. And that was the biggest part, you know, um, we didn't have a budget really. We were hoping for a budget of 10,000 and probably ended up with two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, didn't have the budget to do much, didn't have full crew we wanted. We had, it, like I said, it was all volunteer. Part of the thing with it being a death row inmate, we had to film at a prison. Well, really, it's hard to find a prison that will do it for free. Yeah. But, you know, there was an old prison that was owned by someone else that allowed us to do it for free mm-hmm. there, which was awesome. So those were the things that you kind of had to cut back on you weren't did, able to where get did, so, you, so you said you ended up raising about two thousand of that ten thousand where did most of that money go like what did you food food <laughs> food was yeah. the biggest one uh food and like distribution you know your dvds dvd cases printing things like that that was probably the biggest tr- well here so if you let's say you sold 80 dvds how much were you selling the dvds for about 20 or 25 dollars i think that where it went so you made pretty close to your budget back yeah we we pretty much broke even so it didn't really hurt us too bad it was just so technically you have a right to be on this podcast yeah the movies in the black your movie was in the black, in the black. barely but so ours <laughs> barely was too now it's nice because with amazon where, where is yours living at now uh at our office we had it up on vhx i believe is the yeah, website yeah it, i it could still be up there but i can't tell you the last time i've been up there who's been up there if anybody's bought from there right um so that's where we distributed it was vhx and then also dvd orders um, yeah i would so. i would i mean if you're at that point where you're just kind of like whatever ready like ready to let it sit in a closet i would at least put it up on amazon free with ads uh, because you will make some, especially with a faith-based film. And I know, I'm sure you guys look at that now and you're like, oh, we could have done so much better. Oh but God. there's people that are sitting there just constantly looking for new stuff to watch on Amazon, and it's free. So it's you have to pay for the captions, which is like a dollar per minute. So if you can make that investment in it, it's and it, it like you don't have any investors or anything, so it really yeah. just comes back to you and Donnie or you. Uh, there's Donnie, me, and Tyler. Um, which is part owner of the production company now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you guys could just get, like, a couple bucks every month, that might be worth just having it out there. But I think that, in general, just having finished that, having technically broke even, I would start telling people that. (laughs) You are positioned really well to make another film when you're ready to in the future, which, obviously, you're trying to build your production company now. You're trying to make 
your whole life sustainable. You have a lot of family things that you're trying to build. I don't have that. So I'm able to be a little more nimble in that in this, in that way. Do you have anything kind of on the radar that you're working on? When we were done with Everlasting Freedom, um, our goal was to start the production company, Everlasting Productions, because we felt like this was a way to get money to create another film. Every year we sit down and we're like, what can we do? Can we do a film this year? Can we do a short film? You know, we, I think it was the beginning of this year, um, we sat down with a couple writers in the local area and we we're like, let's do this. Let's do a short film. And then it ended up being like a web series. And it's like, then nothing, it kind of got pushed on the back burner because we've gotten busy with our production company and yeah. it just, it's like, see, I see that's, I see that all the time. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it, but I have not someone that's listening. If you have a case that's contrary to this, let me know. Cause I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out. I have not met one person that does freelance filmmaking that has been able to make making feature films or even web series a possible part of their because they're so invested in trying to make the freelance thing work that almost always and i have so many friends that do that they they got they were in and that's kind of why i've avoided it was because for me i know i would be too invested in that part to then make my own films and even in this thing that I'm doing now, like I'm probably too invested in this to really make my own films. If I were going to make my own films, I'd have to back off of some of this stuff. I would be interested to see if there's anybody that has made that work. Because maybe all us filmmakers that are sitting here trying to do freelance filmmaking and make money for our films are doing it wrong. Yeah. To me, that's kind of where I'm starting to get to. I mean, I've just, I just really thought of this clearly as you were saying that. But yeah, I, I wonder if, if I might have just stumbled on something. <laughs> Possibly. And it's it, go back for, to your day job. Yeah. And for us, it's for the production company, it's like we can create a film. We can. We have the equipment. Well, we it have keeps the... you sharp. That's that's the good positive side of it. For me as a producer, like if I were shooting video all the time, that isn't really relevant to when I'm making a film because I hire a cinematographer. Yeah. But if you want your team to be the one shooting it or editing it, then yeah, you. I think there is a huge benefit in that because it keeps you sharp. Exactly. And that was our goal was to create a production company, you know, make enough money that we don't have to do a Kickstarter, Indiegogo to, you know, we don't have to rush into it. We kind of... Do you think have, those are just dead? Indiegogo and Kickstarter? Yeah. I, they are starting to get dead. Yeah, um, I feel the same way. I... I I oh, when I have a young little filmmaker come to me and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm going to make a film. I'm going to put it up on Indiegogo and raise eight grand." I'm like, "Oh, honey, yeah, no, <laughs> oh, poor kid, yeah." And there's not much way to raise money for a film if you're just starting out anymore. There's you got to prove yourself you first because so many yeah. other people are out there. the The marketplace is saturated. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. People talk about it like, "Ah, oh, like woe is me." Like, get better. Exactly. <laughs> like figure out other ways to raise money. Like, Yeah. You know, I think when we went to the church to pitch them the idea and we were trying to get money to help, that was one of the biggest things that sh the reason why they shot us down. We never worked with them before. We never really did this before. That, you know, that was the biggest reason or they probably would have gave us money and would have worked with us. Right. Um, yeah. So I would say sh do something, show them that you're interested in this and you want to go and you're all out you just put it out all out that's really all you have to do yeah and move the needle that's my yeah. you know like like i said that's my thing is just move the needle do something and keep interacting keep getting out there and rubbing shoulders with more people do things for them you know if whether they're paying for it or not 
if they're paying for it, do a good job. If they're not paying for it, do something. It's like Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you're providing all this value for other people and eventually you're allowed to ask for something. Mm. But if you just come up and ask right away, people are like, what have you done for me? You know, and I, even a church, you know, like, yeah. like it's only a realistic thing. Like they only have so much time and money to go around. So why would they help someone that hasn't really contributed to them at all? Or also they're taking a risk not knowing whether or not you're any good because you haven't really proved it. So I really hope that you can figure that out. And I hope to see something from your production company in the next couple of years. You know, we do create, uh, we do compete in the 48 hour film project every year. So we do have a little bit of the filming aspect, but you know, that's not a major of our film. That's just the competition that we do. And you yeah, have to compete in the 48 hours and you see how it is. It's, Oh yeah, I tell people if when people are like, I want to get into filmmaking, but I don't know where to start. I'm like, start in a 48 hour film festival. Like you have to be super nimble to be able to shoot some, and the 48 hours like to push you to the max. Oh, yeah, I think the 48 hours is a lot different because I've worked on Hollywood sets, I've worked on TV sets. You know, I remember being there for 14 hours in one day filming, yeah. and they only got like four shots done. It, you know, it kind of shows. Oh, I you. can't work on those big sets anymore. No. Like I used to do stuff like that when I was in Pittsburgh, and it just kills me how much time is wasted. It's crazy. But it, it, it's crazy to see, you know, two years later that, you know, it's an hour and a half long film, and you're thinking. When did they get that shot? You know, that's how I always looked at it. I'm like, do I don't remember them shooting that, you know, yeah. but they have four or five different cameras set up somewhere that you're not even really paying attention to. Well, and they to. also have like a uh, second director units yeah. and like all of these other things going on. Yeah. It's a whole different ball game for sure. Oh, yeah. But, but it, I, it's just different to see, you know, a Hollywood set and then try to do a film in 48 hours. Yeah. You, you know, it's like, okay, I can do this. There's such just, a huge range it, of yeah. like of possibilities in in filmmaking and that's pretty much what this show's about so thank you for coming on steve no problem thank you craig yeah uh if people want to find you online you already said your website do you want to what about you personally where can people find you you can find me on facebook where uh, can they stock you at they can stalk me on facebook twitter you use your twitter not much <laughs> don't follow steve on twitter don't follow me look up everlasting everlasting productions productions. llc they've got they do some really amazing stuff with their freelance uh and if you have any questions for steve you can leave those in the comments wherever you're listening or shoot me an email check out moviesintheblack.com thank you for listening see you in the next episode Thank you for watching the Movies in the Black podcast. Don't be afraid to comment, send us an email. I really focus on making content related to the questions I'm getting asked often. So if you feel like there's a certain type of content you're interested in, and what I mean by that really is, is there a certain area in producing that you are specifically curious about? I've been getting a lot of questions about fundraising, so I have an interview coming up specifically geared towards the way that we raised money for Blood on the Leaves. And I also am trying to get some more interviews for more traditional financing models and some other options too. So if you have any questions about raising money for films, please shoot those to me at an email at moviesintheblack at gmail.com and I will try to fit those into that episode. Thank you again for listening. 